You won't use this message because you're a cowardly, spineless piece of shit. You're a lying, lip-tarted bastard, Jesse Dollarmore, you fat fucking garbage piece of shit. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 699 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, and the out of her mind excited that we're almost to episode 700, Brittany Page. I thought the more important benchmark was the 690, right? That's what what you were so excited for? Was it 690? No, no, no. I wasn't excited for it. It was just like those odd... Those even numbers that you get to that are closer and closer to 700. Obviously, 700 is a, you know, a decent achievement. Ooh, not as strong as 690, (laughs) you know? God damn. Yeah, not as strong. So I'm going to be held accountable for everything I say for for all time. All the dumb things, I think. All the dumb things, yeah. Well, then once I say a dumb thing, then you can can alert me of that. But up until now, I think I'm... uh, Pristine. Okay. In my record. Sure. Also joining us today, folks, I think a three-time guest on the program. Yes. Host his own podcast now. Mm-hmm. Our show seems to do that. It spawns these, <laughs> these little offshoots. Yeah. Our gift to the world. Team Ian, co-host of Save Us from the Johns. Yes. And his brother, J.R. Brinksmanship. Those are both the Twitter handles, by the way. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, gentlemen. Well, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, I'm glad that we can be sort of the Al-Qaeda cell to uh, the Dolomore uh, <laughs> Bin Laden. I See, guess. I was, wow. was going to go with Wet Mogwai. I don't know what that is. That, what the fuck? Come on, man. You're, you're, you're just like above us in your intellectual... You're trying to promote your podcast? <laughs> I would like to remind you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was a Gremlins reference. You know, like if you get the Mogwai wet, they multiply. Oh, Gremlins. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Classic it, That film. was lowbrow. Great I film. I mean, like 1980s lowbrow. But. You do have sort of a Chomsky look right now. I, this is the first time I've seen my brother in like three months. So well, we are, not, uh, we are, we are doing a Zoom call to accomplish this. The aforementioned 699th episode of the program. Well, it's difficult when you have uh, three people on sometimes and you add a fourth person in, it can turn into kind of a shit show. So we're trying to avoid like a debate night situation happening tonight with everyone talking over each other. Yes. So Zoom helps with that because we can kind of read body language. That's Mm. why we've incorporated it. So before I want to ask you guys about the show, because it is an interesting concept that you have where you... You pick apart or interesting is a very nice way to put it. Thank you. It's very stupid. Where you critique it's a special concept? Yeah, you, you you shit on. Um, I almost said save us from the John. You shit on. Um, Pod, Pod, save Pod, Save America. Pod Save America, a show I don't listen to. And uh, <laughs> you did I, once. I did once when I was on your show, but but I think it's great. But I want to get into that. But first, there was a moment when I was on your show that we talked about 
a tweet that Jonathan sent out <laughs> asking, <laughs> seemingly, ostensibly asking for advice about how to promote your podcast on your dog's Instagram. Yes. Because you have an Instagram account that has tens of thousands of followers. A famous dog. Dogs. Thank you. Yeah. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah. and it seemed like a legitimate question, a query that needed to be answered. And, and, uh, Brittany Page came to the rescue and answered the question, but then she found out via the episode that you were just kind of being a snarky cock. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Well, uh, well, two things I want to say in my defense. First, that is kind of my like baseline is snarky cock. Mm. Um, and second is, uh, I just kind of forget that there are nice people in the world just out there to help help you know those in need. Yeah, uh, especially on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But right, uh, right. there's there's at Brittany Page. There I was to offer you yeah. genuine advice and then to get shit on on your very nice podcast. Save us from shit the shit on is a is a strong word. I like to think I found the inherent humor. <laughs> in the situation and yeah yeah revealed it for everyone yes but then i called you a dick and this caused some problems because oh oh boy Brittany, it was (laughs) tremendous it seems and i certainly don't want to do that jonathan i don't want to cause cause you grief it almost seemed as though you had uh some deep-seated need for Brittany's particular expertise which is therapy that you Mm. you you needed Mm. to get some extra help and you know we're, we're here for you Mm-hmm. Okay, so first off, I don't know how you got my girlfriend's number, but I know, <laughs> I know that she's been coaching you. Mm. Um, uh, and second, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's let's. I, I love, it. by the way. I mean, this is like very, this is very on point. Where Jonathan's like very like laser fair about it, but like he texted me multiple times. He's like, "Do you think I actually offended mm. Brittany?" Like he he tweeted at you. We talked about it on our show. Like, no, this. This definitely kept him up at night. There's the the tweet r- went through like seven revisions where I was like, how do I show that I'm not like, I'm not freaking out. <laughs> that, like, oh God, Brittany hates me. But like, I wanted to be playful and everyone's like, ha ha ha, okay, well, that's funny. But like also like, oh no, God, I'm so sorry. Don't hate me. <laughs> so there, well, were, there were a lot of, there was a draft process. That yes. Went through that. Yes. Well, let me reassure you that um, I was joking okay, and I you. very much appreciate and value both of you. And I do listen to your show, and I enjoy it. Uh, I am not too good for it. I think is what Ian was well, saying about well, me. No, you are, but but yeah. but but maybe she just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah, know Yeah, maybe yet. that's <laughs> it. I think that's yeah. your yeah inherent yeah. modesty. Mm. Uh, no, no that, you are... that is a real deal about Brittany Page for sure. Oh, I know. Yeah, I mean, I'm the over the top fucking. No, there was no, there was no worry about Jesse being too good for it. (laughs) There was worry about like him hurting his brand because it's, it's very dumb, but like there was no worry about like, you know. Yeah. Financially, it was a stupid mistake to have us on. Yeah. I mean. Well, look, it's gonna it's gonna be a lean Christmas. We, look, is all I'm saying. We'll, We're gonna see the Patreon numbers. We'll dip. see how it goes. I still have the choice of just fucking deleting the whole goddamn thing before it goes to air. So, Jonathan and Ian, tell us why you started your podcast. Um. Well, may, I'll, let me start because I'll I'll t- I'll take the sixty thousand foot view and then Jonathan get into the specifics. Perfect. Um, I started it because I uh I was. I was, I had two wonderful mentors who saw in me 
something I didn't know myself. Like you, you two plucked me out of obscurity and you saw me as the five tool rookie that, you know, that was overlooked kind of speaking of, uh, you're going to be a star kid. Do I get some sort of like dollar more like challenge coin now that I'm a, a three-time guest? Is <laughs> yeah, that, is that I, how listen, that works? You, you may be able to hit a knuckleball pretty well, but uh, yeah. I think we've had others who have been on more times. There's a there's a screenwriter named Adam Simon who I think I been follow on. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Adam's been on more than you, so you're you know you you got some work okay. to do, brother. You, you got some work to do. Has Ryan Bellman on more than me? Ryan's another one. I think I think maybe. God, yeah, and yeah. actually Ryan's right. been. Like Adam, Ryan's actually been in studio with us several times on YouTube. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so I've got I've got a few more, a few more you know enemies to add to the list. That's fine. Well, I'll tell you can this. I, can I interrupt? Well, real hang quick? on. The I'm chan- sorry. I, I want to say this: the chances of you continuing on the show are really reducing as you fucking fiddle with your microphone and make noise. That's exactly what I was going to say, Jesse. So, Thank you so much. What I would say is up your game. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how things go. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> um, no. So I had, but I mean, in all seriousness, I had no desire to do any sort of podcasting thing. And you guys, uh, I had a lot of fun on your show. But but Jonathan uh, had an idea. And I'll turn it over to him. Yeah. So um, my reasons for starting the podcast were a bit more petty, um, which is literally everyone in all of my social circles are big pod save america fans and they're all very much the like uh, more than one of them literally have like rbg bobbleheads on their on their shelves and they're they've got friend of the pod t-shirts and things like that and i personally find the politics of pod save america to be a little wanting at least a little um uh, uh functionally propaganda for the democratic party and I think that when you hand wave away or ignore the many and obvious weaknesses, you allow those problems to fester and ultimately hurt the cause of defeating the Republican Party. And I think that's kind of the noble cause behind the podcast. But the real reason is I'm just like so mad at my friends for having <laughs> politics that are like, you're so close. Just keep keep going. Just keep going left. Do, and, do you uh, think? Do you think the boys on uh, Pod Save would uh, disagree, either publicly or privately, that they do serve some sort of propagandistic uh, service? One hundred percent for the yeah. hundred percent. You oh think they'd God. agree? One hundred percent. In their heads, I think they think they're they're holding their feet to the fire. Yeah, like I really do. Really? Um, wow. I know. I I know. Um, because no, I, I think they're true believers. Well, they, well, I mean, I think they think that they are like honest truth tellers. I mean, if you go on their website, it says like a conversation about politics without any bullshit. It's like, all right, well, <laughs> calm down, boys. Yeah. Um, and uh, what, what's so interesting is they always talk like they, I think they have private conversations where they do this, but they don't ever actually air them on mic. And I think they confuse their like private and on mic stuff. Cause I, I hear a lot of it, uh, in like, I take pretty like, vociferous notes and i'm now starting to like figure out like their various like tells but that's something that comes up a lot when they're talking like like you know as we're want to do like we're always like dr- pulling our hairs out that that biden isn't doing more getting to the right position it's like well you i've been listening to you straight since june you have never once fucking said this where is this where are you pulling your hair out but you do you would agree that there is some utility to what they do some good is done from their show would you not 
Well, they've got a big platform and they're they're doing I think Vote Save America is their initiative to register voters and activate a base is largely a force for good. I think some of the funds that they have to donate to campaigns are, are you know, doing pretty good. Not all of them, because one of the things, again, is, you know, they are uh, dyed in the wool tribalists. Where, for example, one of the ways we've been very critical of them in the past is they don't endorse candidates in primary elections. Yeah. They only endorse after the primary is decided. And in, in certain cases, I think that uh, when there's a clear contrast between candidates like Amy McGrath, um, Ed, Amy McGrath like um, Ed Markey, Joe Kennedy, yeah. an obvious contrast, wouldn't it be awesome if you had weighed in? And maybe said, here is what we're thinking and why we're thinking it to your audience that largely makes up the uh, uh, the kind of establishment wing of the Democratic Party. Um, and they don't do that. Ever. So, so let's yeah. let's say you have an audience of, you know, 100,000 people listening to your show. What would be the 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 highline message that you'd want to get across to them to convince them? Because, listen. On first glance, on first listen, it could just come across as a couple of cynical fucks just tearing down and not really offering an opinion that to to better. It's just it's armchair Fair. quarterbacking sometimes. Yes, like I love you. I love you guys' show. I think it's great. But and, and you're growing Bruce, out of well, you're you're growing out of the cockery, the 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 cynical bullshit that really drives me goddamn crazy. Cynicism. Did you say growing out of it? Uh, yeah, well, no, I think the show is, yeah, I think the show is evolving. It's yeah, growing. Yeah. So they're finding their voice, and it's not just um, snarky, snark, 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 oh, <laughs> snark, snark, snark. <laughs> they're, they're fucking, they're, they're, all, they're also like, oh, yeah, this is bad what they do. Here's the alternative. Here's what they should be doing. Yeah. So if you, so back to the question. Um, so basically, are you doing that? Yeah, if you had a big audience. Do you think that you'd be accomplishing that? Or do you have some other mission statement prepared first, that you're going to lay on First us? of all, I, I liked how you sort of mimed us as you were saying snark, snark, yeah. snark, snark. That was very insulting. I'm an animated uh, guy. What can I say? Um, um, yeah. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I, it's hard for me to, like, I don't want to, like, super intellectualize what we're doing because I do think, like, it is... Stupid. Well, no, Stupid. no. Let me, yeah. look, I, but, let me stop you there. Hang on. Let, let's. I want you to get back on. You don't want to over intellectualize, but you guys have a platform now, and that's not a look. I know it might be small now, and I don't have any fucking idea what your audience is. You guys bleeped those numbers. I heard. Yeah, but that. it's. But listen. You should have done like a lot of bleeps, so it sounded like a really long. Yeah, number. like had it be like a ten second yeah. bleep <laughs> of the number. You, you you really need to start thinking in terms of. You might be changing hearts and minds now, and do you want to pass on cynicism, or do you want to pass on actual, tangible, get it done yeah. kind of um, of of work? I, I would push back on you a little bit. I don't think I'm particularly cynical, or at least I don't try to. I, I don't think you can have the politics that all four of us have and be cynical. Listen, right? I like, see the tweets you fuckers both like. I know what kind of shit goes on in your goddamn heads. Now, there is a difference, I think, between being cynical and being like a shit poster, right? Like, I, <laughs> All right. like, maybe so. I, I, I genuinely think like a better world is possible, 
And I, and, and, and I think part of my frustration is that, um, there are, as Jonathan sort of said at the beginning, there are other people that are basically at the same spot as us, but like they are not quite there. And in some places they're actually the main hindrance, right? Like, you know, the Democrat, the, the, the organized democratic party, for instance, is like a very good example of that. Like, I think in some ways they are much harder to beat than Republicans to get the policies that we want. Like, I think that a Warren or Sanders or whomever is a much stronger general election candidate than they would be a, in the democratic party candidate. And so these, yeah. these are, so what, what I am trying to say to, people is like the wonks don't necessarily know more than you do like the the idea that we you you feel like you have to support people that you think someone else will like is is a bullshit concept you don't have any idea what someone what's going to appeal to anyone else no one does political science for as sort of mat witchcrafty as it is like yeah. that is something that generally they all agree on no one knows what anyone else fucking wants yeah political so, science and neuroscience kind of have that in common <laughs> They're both kind of like, uh, well, it's not really, but maybe not really. So I, 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 I hear what you're saying. And I, I, I think that you guys are on to something. And I think you could be accomplishing something great. I just don't want to get it lost. Like I told you on the show. It's not like I fucking ambushed you here. No. I, I, I think uh, it could get lost in the... <laughs> you know what I mean? It's also easy to see why one would feel cynical. And I think sure. there is also value in having a space to process some of that. Mm. But I also certainly see the importance of offering an answer to the cynicism as well, right? Like, what's the path forward? What can be done about it? Um, so I see the value of both things. Brittany Page fucking building bridges. <laughs> Just a little bow. Just, Just a little bow. Yeah, I, I think that that's a fair point. I mean, I, I think it is, like... Ian. It's a very fair point. <laughs> you know, I'm not just shitting on you guys. No, no, no. I don't. I don't feel like you're shitting on us. I, I, I and like I, I take your your criticism. I, I don't know. I, I think in terms of our audience, we have a not a large one, but it is like embarrassingly large for I think the amount of work I put into it. The amount of work you put into it certainly it is appropriate <laughs> for the amount of work. Uh oh, here we go. Yeah, you just um, show up and fiddle with your microphone for an hour or so. Ian? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will also say I I I don't personally think of myself as a cynic. I personally think of myself as an optimist. Um, and I will also again say my girlfriend, the love of my life. Her biggest criticism whenever she listens to the show is like, "Hey, you catch more flies with honey." maybe stop being such a prick but uh <laughs> wow. I, I i think that um you know again someone with my politics if i may be so bold as to say our politics one of the one of the issues with the the issues that i care about most is both parties are actively antagonistic to a lot of these goals that that i want to see that i want to fight for and this podcast, Pod Save America, in a very tangible sense, is the uh, town crier for one of those two parties, ostensibly the good one. And, yeah, uh, yeah. It, you know, it, it, if my frustration at that, uh, it reads as cynicism, 
please forgive me. I don't mean it to, but it is, it is a real frustration that like these people are so close. They're so close to getting there and they can't do it. I don't know if they're not doing it because they think that, you know, the, the Republican or the Democratic Party is the good one and its leaders know better. I don't know if they think that because they're just, they're just centrists and inherently there is that's just they're chasing the middle ground always. Or I don't know if they think it for more cynical reasons like they can't they can't push too hard because, you know, they rely on access or well, look. Or, also, we've, we've made this point a bunch like we actually think they're pretty good guys. Like we don't have any personal animosity towards them at all. I would actually push back on Jonathan. I don't think they're cynical. I really don't. Like, I just think that they. um they are captured by the party. They can't, they have almost too much empathy for people who work in it. Cause they were party apparatchiks for so long that like they, yeah. they, they just feel it's not appropriate for them to criticize cause they know how hard the job is. Hmm. And they're also so deeply ensconced that they're all, they'd be criticizing their, their pals, their long absolutely. lifelong colleagues and friends. And that can be tough. I mean, not everybody can sit here looking at someone on a zoom call and call them cynical fucks. You know, correct. Correct. <laughs> who yeah. who do you view as the least problematic of the bunch? Would it be John? John Favs. John Lovett. No, no John. Well, Lovett. John Lovett. That's right. Okay. John Lovett. I don't even John know Lovett. who the fuck they are. I he, that's Ronan Farrow's boyfriend, right? Yeah. yeah. And correct. I don't listen to the show either. Uh, I think I when it first became a thing, I listened for a while and then I unsubscribed. Um, so I haven't listened in a long time, but I do remember enjoying John Lovett. Yeah, he's he he was like, politically he seems the most um he was the most sort of left curious. He's the one who's offered the most sort of not not as strong as maybe I'd want, but the most, you know, pointed criticisms. And he's the most entertaining. He's the only one who doesn't sound exactly like fucking everyone else. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. like who he doesn't sound like the two of us. Yeah. Well his his he, he doesn't operate on fucking dad puns. So I, I have to ask Jonathan a question. Uh, were you a little anxious after you said the thing about the RBG bobblehead about me having an RBG bobblehead? Well, first off, I didn't know that you had an RBG bobblehead. I don't have one, but I'm asking okay. if you got a little anxious after you said that comment, thinking that I might. He should have. No, no this, is, this is exactly how I get into the situation that I got <laughs> into. Is, there's no... There's no foresight. There's just, it's just like, I'm going to tell this joke. It's going to be so funny. And people are like, that's how my dad died. Why would you make that joke? Oh, like, it, yeah. it never yeah, ends yeah, yeah. well. Yeah. So I've been in those this situations is, too. It's no. all right. I mean, this is why we've had a podcast for like three months and Jonathan's already issued a formal apology on it. Like, <laughs> get used to it. Well, listen, I, I would, I would encourage everybody to go subscribe. To save us from the Johns, it's on the Spotify, it's on the Apple Pod, it's where podcasts are. If you're listening to this, I think you know how it works. Yes. Um, and maybe follow them on the Twitter, on the, well, definitely. the fuck, you've got me all the the Twitter definitely and the everything. Definitely follow them on the Twitter. No, to, to actively push back, engage, do like you do with our show, yeah. and, you know, steer these fuckers straight a little bit. I'm an easy person to drive insane. Just tell me, tweet at me and tell me how I have failed you. Oh, no. And that'll crush me. You're going to have oh, an no. army of RBG bobblehead owners <laughs> fucking right on your shit. So that is yeah. all. Listen, that's, that's that part of the show. This is going to be a, a show of hard transitions, I think. Yeah. We do. We're going to go now just into the normal flow of the show. 
We've got three voicemails to play, and then we're going to talk about some headlines. First, Chris from Georgia. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Jesse. This is Chris from Atlanta. Um, just question to throw out to you guys and, and the uh, community as, as a large. So just I guess the, the question is, do you think that we are beyond hope uh, for saving democracy and or a free and fair election? Um, and then part of that is why do you not think – why are people not more upset with – what is going on? And by that, I mean, you know, his, his threats to not leave office and deploy uh, law enforcement and judges to polling places or to jurisdictions. Recently just said that he wants, I think he, he did it on Fo uh, some Fox radio, um, you know, wants his Supreme Court nomination confirmed because he wants them to cast the vote in his favor. And that's the only way that he will leave power is if the Supreme Court does it. And, and then you've got things, you know, this, this patriotic, um, indoctrination or education thing that, that he's talking about. Um, why? I mean, this is the most, this is that, that's, this stuff horrifies me more than anything. And, and particularly the fact that people are not looking at this going like, uh, this is very reminiscent of, dictatorships and and fascist and, and stuff that happened during World War II. And, and why do you think people are not more more upset about that? Uh, and, you know, I, I personally think we are doomed, totally doomed. Um, and and I, I don't know that we can recover. And I, I would, you know, I know, Jesse, you're an optimist. Um, and But I also know you guys are kind of realists as well and, and often make me see a different perspective. So uh, just curious to get your thoughts, like, uh, this is horrifying, and, and and you know, and what really frightens me the most is people aren't looking at this and going like, "Wait, this is a problem," uh, and they're just, just, you know, things like patriotic indoctrination or education is is it doesn't raise an eyebrow. Um, all right, uh, can't wait to hear you guys, and hopefully, I'll be able to jump on the Skype call this uh, tonight, maybe. I think. All right, have a good one. Have a great weekend. Um, you guys are the best, and. Keep fighting a good fight. So let me quickly address the jumping on the call, because, Chris, if you try to get on a call, you're going to be pretty lonely. We do our <laughs> Patreon hangouts twice a month, the last Friday of each month and the last Saturday of each month. So those links go out at ex the exact moment that the call is going to start um, and you click on it. And we're going to start being a little bit more specific when we send out that message because we had kind of assumed that everyone knows what's happening with that. But we're starting to understand that. We no one knows what's happening yeah, with that. We haven't explained it very well. <laughs> yeah. We just expect that they know what we know, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so we'll be, every time we send the link, it will say, the call is starting right now. These are the times. Please join us. Uh, as far as the substance of the call, I am typically an optimist. Um, one, I think some of the questions that, that Chris is asking there about how or why don't people understand? Why are they not making the the alignment of of past history to what's happening today and that's just because people are fucking dumb people don't know history especially european history people can barely uh, look if we gave a map with just a blank states and t told people to name the states people would fucking fail miserably if you try to get them to to understand the specific order of history of what led to nazi goddamn germany yeah, that's a fucking nightmare proposition. As far as the, the, the overall substance of the call, 
look, being an op- optimist, and I've talked about this a few episodes ago, we are on the precipice of fundamentally changing our democratic republic. Our representative government is getting ready to be something vastly different if Donald Trump continues in office. That's just the way it the fuck is. So that is why it is incumbent upon everybody to get the fuck out there and vote and get your neighbors and your family and your coworkers to goddamn vote. Now, before Jonathan and Ian jump in and make Chris feel better, which I believe they will do. Well, we are optimists. I want to uh, caution Chris because I, I heard a few things in there that may not be beneficial to him. And that is he's saying things like no one is concerned about this. Mm, yeah, people yeah. are looking at this as people aren't looking at, at this as a problem. There's a lot of generalities and a lot of like all or nothing black and white thinking. And that is probably not helpful for your anxiety. And even though it may seem hopeless, especially after debate night and the aftermath, uh, because that was a living hell, I think it's important to try to look for things that are kind of beneficial about what happened, which is the media responding overwhelmingly to Trump's terrible performance. Uh, Republicans now panicking because of how embarrassing his performance was. And those are all positive developments that hopefully there's going to be a shift in the messaging that occurs, unlike what happened in 2016 after Trump was, you know, chasing Hillary Clinton around the stage and he was labeled a a wonderful debater, right? Gentlemen, what do you think? Well, so I I think... I think he had sort of two parts to his his call. One was like, is there any reason for hope? And two, why aren't people like realizing that like what this is, which is, you know, encroaching fascism for taking the second part first. I think a lot of people do realize it. And I think Republicans think it's cool, mm, right? They are. Yeah. It's it's essentially a fascist party at this point. And the people who support it are basically fascists. Like, let's like be very clear about that. And that's, I don't think that's hyperbolic at all. Like, if we look at what's happening all across the fucking country right now, like Rittenhouse, how much money has been raised for that fucker? Over half a million dollars. Over half a million dollars. And if you turn on Fox News on any goddamn day, they're talking about him like he's a fucking saint. Like, these people are all in on the blood and soil bullshit. And so, uh, it's not that they don't understand. It's that they see it and they're like, yeah, I, w- I want to be on the streets too. I want to be like attacking Antifa. I want to make sure that this country is, uh, you know, continues in its white supremacist. So, so you, you think that it is an active ushering in of, of, a of a new order of, of a fascistic rule over the United States or at least a fascist, you know, a, a lean to governance. I- yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't think the Republican Party gives one shit about democracy, right? Like, yeah, I, I think either. these are, like, these are, they, they, I, I think the people that support, I mean, again, it's a minority party. It's, it's the people who support that are in the vast, vast minority, but they just, because of this, the way this government is set up and the way elections have been handled and the way, you know, uh, electoral the college. Is, yeah, all of it. Um, that you know they 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 will ha- they have minority role and they are and they are you know importing uh uh stuff that we did abroad to american soil right i mean yeah. like we are we are i would say encroaching fascism is now kind of at a trot Crushed. yeah right yeah bit of a gallop <laughs> um 
But in answer to the other part of the question, like, no, I don't think you should give up hope. In fact, if anything, this should like or energize you to fucking fight because we don't really have a choice right now. And yeah. um, when I say fight, I don't mean you necessarily have to be in the streets. Like, I am not because uh, my jo- I would get fired from my job if I did. But there are ways you can fight. You can vote, as you said. You can give. You can. There's all sorts of mutual aid stuff out there that is available. It's a quick Google. Um, you should not give up hope. I mean, like one thing I actually really like about Catholicism is I know that's a not really your your bread and butter, but they made despair uh, a cardinal sin, and despair is a useless useless emotion right now. You should not turn into it. That's hmm. that's my optimism take. I also think I also think there are there are points of light that show. Look, there's a there's a difference between people on the ground. Or, or just like the electorate and the powers that be in both parties. And I think on the Democrat left side, um, the stuff that really encourages me first are um, the smaller gains that leftist politics have made at, at the local level, state level, congressional level, um, and and uh, seeing politicians who adopt those policies like an Ed Markey uh, gain success on, you know, in, in the Senate and uh, things like Medicare for all have something absurd, like a 70% approval rating among, you know, younger generations, things like that. So I do think that from a, is there anything to be hopeful about standpoint, there's definitely an understanding now, or at least an appreciation of uh, oh, what left politics can be, and it's not as uh, um, taboo as it once was. Sure, yeah. And I, I, I think socialism's that, not that, the dirty word it used to be. Exactly, exactly. And I think that you know, just uh, you know, generationally, there are more people and millennials and younger who identify with socialism or as a socialist. So that that kind of stuff encourages me because as as the 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 right rises, the left is rising as well. The left is always going to have a harder fight. It's just always going to have a harder fight because for myriad reasons. I mean, one, you know, the right, as Ian discussed, they're ready to lean into the violence. I mean, they're they're yeah. just inherently more militant. Um, and they second, the they, they've got more money. Yeah. yeah. So there, it's always going to be a harder fight. Um, I, I so- think I think that side is turning the money side because. Uh, your everyday citizen is is mobilizing now and starting to give their I mean, one part of it is that Donald Trump is spending like a fucking like a Trump and they're running out of money rapidly. But the the amount of money that's been raised even last night during the debate for Joe Biden mm-hmm. is is positive. It just, you know, people are waking the fuck up, I think. Well, and to Chris, also, I think following uh, data for progress would also be good for him. So then he can see how popular, like Jonathan was just talking about, progressive policies really are. Um, and I think that a lot of that gets lost in these headlines and in the loudest voices on the TV and how heinous they all tend to be, that that is what we focus on. But that really shouldn't be what we're focusing on. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Chris, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. We hope that, uh, you know, you're getting more for your money now. You're getting four opinions, not just, uh, you know, a, a good one with Brittany Page and a dumb one with me. So you're welcome, Chris. We, 
<laughs> we appreciate the call. Chris, if you need more, just DM Jonathan. Mm. He's <laughs> there to talk. J.R. Brinksmanship. T-E-A-M-I-A-N. <laughs> All right. Next call, kind of along the same lines of a uh, little bit of sadness. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. This is Andrew. Um, I just want to say I'm not very happy after, throughout this summer and at the start of this fall. Besides the pandemic, which has been heartbreaking for me and not having a job to do throughout this summer, it just seems like everything in this country just keeps getting worse and worse in some aspects, especially with the black community and the brown community. I'm furious that there's no justice for George Floyd, Jacob Blake, Breonna Taylor, and every black person who has had heartbreaking and deadly contact with police. And it just seems like no matter what happens, the police always get away with their murders and not get the justice they deserve. I mean, they're victims. And at this point in time, I hate politics. I just hate our political system so much. Not only because of the Republicans, but also because of this establishment Democrat. Because of them, especially Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and every other Democrat in the establishment, I've lost all respect and the willingness and excitement for our political system. So I just want this election to be over and done with so I can just prepare for my life and prepare for my future. I still have a little bit of hope, though, that our country will be better come next year because this year has thrown us all straight to hell and back. I'm not really 100% optimistic things will change. Whether overnight or sometime after that, I'm a little bit hopeful. I just wish things were much better in this country than they are right now. And I just wish... From the Karens to the responses to the Black Lives Matter protests to seeing BLM as a terrorist organization. Lots of other things just piss me off that I want changed or eradicated. Not like, you know, just, you know, gone. So I wish things would be better from now on. Thank you guys for 700 episodes. Congratulations on 700 episodes and I wish for much more. Love the show. You all are the best part. Goodbye. Well, thank you, Andrew. Let me say this. There were two emotions that were readily talked about there. One, a sense of hopelessness. Hey, makes me emotional. But more importantly, and the one that I really attach to, is being pissed off. Because with hopelessness, there doesn't seem to be much that's going to follow as far as action is concerned. But being pissed the fuck off, something can, can take place. Let me, let me give you this piece of advice, or at least this peek into my view of how the politics operates. The system wants you to be hopeless. The system, political leaders largely, they want you to not be motivated. Because when you're not motivated and you're hopeless, they will be able to uphold the status quo. And that is what the system 
fucking does. So if you get hopeless and you don't act, they win. And this is a lot of times a binary thing. This is a zero sum game. If you stay, if you stay out of it and you don't get involved, nothing will change. Feed, fuel that anger. That's a healthy anger. Yeah. And, and, and take care of yourself for mm-hmm. sure. Well, and that's, I'm surprised you didn't talk about that part of his call too, where he talked about still having hope that there is some hope there. Yeah. Yeah. And but I, I feel like that's fueled by the being pissed off. Sure. Yeah. And whatever it takes, right. To hold on to what little hope anyone may have left. Uh, I think looking for those small moments and those stories that make you feel as though change is possible. And I think we see those just not enough. And I want to give a shout out to Andrew for sending this in to us and, and being so open and processing it because I could hear it in his voice. He sounds like he's really struggling right now. And listen, you're not alone. No, Andrew. Yeah. I, I often feel when, you know, you watch the tape of George Floyd and the, the just rampant fucking injustice and violence against Americans who are our brothers and sisters. Fuck. It is, it is difficult. To get out of bed some days. Mm-hmm. So I, I get it. Yeah. But we have to press on. We have to charge on. We have to drive forward. Otherwise, people like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, they died for nothing. Anyway, gentlemen, your thoughts? Well, um, as a fence- uh, fellow Pennsylvania boy, Andrew, all I can tell you is what worked for me. Um, I live in Seattle now. I know that um, Portland is getting the brunt of it, but I sort of feel like Seattle is getting left out as well. There's a lot of police cracking down and uh, uh, of just just really disgusting fascist state sponsored behavior uh, going on in the name of of quelling BLM wherever possible. What worked for me is to try to do something try to do anything and it made me feel a lot better if you can go to a protest go to a protest if you have money to donate to a bail fund donate to a bail fund if there are voices that need uh uh, um, amplifying amplify those voices um there's a lot that you can do i think you know this might be a little long game start a podcast maybe have jesse on as a guest Maybe then get invited on his show and Brittany Page, mental health professional, can give you a little bit of free therapy. That's how you game the system. But uh, the the best advice I can offer is get involved wherever you can at whatever level you can, because even a little bit has really helped me calm down that anxiety and make me feel like if I'm not making a difference, then I'm I'm at least pushing the boulder in the right direction, contributing my effort to to the cause in some small way yeah i feel a little awkward following any of you three the only thing i will say is uh you're right to feel sad about some of the stuff absolutely I, I mean that means you you're not numb to it that your your empathy is working well and uh don't let anyone tell you not to feel sad about it right it's a very legitimate reaction to it mm-hmm. um i i I second and third everything that everyone said, and I think you're very brave to uh, reach out into the void. So good on you. Thank you, Andrew. We appreciate it.
All right. Uh, last call. And it's kind of, it's, it's about the debate, but it also leads us in to our first topic within Dollamocracy. So we'll awkwardly navigate how we do our segments. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. This is Josh from Wisconsin, longtime listener, first time caller. Um, just wanted to leave a couple comments on that dumpster fire that we saw last night that they want to call a presidential debate. The first thing that stuck out to me, unfortunately, I'm a Navy veteran, so I believe in equality in this country. I believe in serving with honor and courage and commitment, much like you did as a Marine. So the idea that we have the President of the United States not only refusing to denounce white supremacy in 2020, a white supremacist group took his comments not only as an endorsement, they took his comments and adopted it as their new slogan. How is this possible in the United States of America that the president not only enables white supremacists, but the white supremacists are emboldened and endorsed by the president? This is a travesty. This is disgusting. This is blatant. Flat-out racism. There's no sugarcoating this crap anymore. If you support this man as the president, you are either a white supremacist yourself or you are endorsing and comfortable with white supremacy. Either way, it makes you a fucking racist piece of shit. The other thing I want to talk about is the president's comment that he is not going to accept the results of a free and fair election. That is not the value I served under to defend and, should I say, to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. The United States of America was founded on the idea that every single person in this country has a right to vote and that every vote counts, whether you're voting for Trump or whether you're voting for Biden or even Joe Jorgensen. Your vote counts, and the president to say that he wants to get rid of votes and use the courts to steal the election should be automatic cause if we had a functioning government for the Senate and the Cabinet to exercise the 25th Amendment to get this piece of garbage out of office. Anyway, keep doing what you guys are doing. You guys are awesome. Jesse and Brittany are both the best parts. Hope you guys are staying safe with the wildfires in California. Have a good day. Well, Josh, I agree with a lot of what you said up front there about Donald Trump. And it was certainly shocking to uh, have to just continue to deal with this. Honestly, Um, I wish that we could wake up tomorrow and this nightmare would be over. I don't think that's going to happen, but let's all remember we could wake up tomorrow and he has COVID and then it's two weeks until the nightmare is over. Let's all, let's all, (laughs) let's all remember that Donald Trump can at any time open his cell phone, open his Twitter app and tweet and denounce white supremacy. And he could clear all this up. Yeah, he, he could clear everything up right now. We know that he loves to tweet. He's acting like he doesn't know what the Proud Boys are now. He's like, well, you're going to have to tell me what that is, right? It's David Duke. It's the KKK all over again. When he claimed he didn't know who David Duke was, he didn't know what the KKK was. He's on Twitter all the time. He knows everything about Antifa. He's seeing all of the videos in his feed. And we are supposed to believe he doesn't know who the Proud Boys are. Right. Please. Yeah. It's exhausting. 
So let me push back on one thing, and then we're going to move on to, to, to the mid-roll and then Dalamocracy, and then we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about this moment in the debate. We did talked about it a little bit yesterday, but said there have been some developments. Um, let me push back on this, Josh. This country wasn't founded on the proposition that every person is equal. It just wasn't. This is something that, that that gets lost in in again in elementary education in high school education that that we that we have always been this beacon of freedom and equality in the world. The United States isn't. It was founded on the proposition of white supremacy. That black property wasn't counted as a whole person. It was written, it was canonized in the fucking Constitution, although the word slavery wasn't used. And I'm not, look, I'm pissed off because fuck that shit. Not mad at Josh, obviously, or maybe I should say it so it's not, because it's not obvious. We got a lot of work to do. And I listen, I'm like you, Josh. I love my country. I'm not afraid. I do consider myself patriotic. But part of being patriotic is working toward the aspirations that we talk about and we, we, we drone on about everybody being equal. Um, as far as the Proud Boy stuff, it is another moment where Donald Trump is using the tactics of white supremacists throughout our history, at least over the course of the last several generations. David Duke denying he's a white supremacist when he was the grand fucking wizard or dragon or whatever the fucking goofy ass title of the Ku Klux Klan. Dungeon master. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Donald Trump's doing the thing where he did not because now he's denying it. I tell you what, we're going to talk about this more fulsome on the other side of the break. Thank you guys for, for calling in. Look for, at you. For those, Chris Wallace. For those of adhering you, to those segments. You're so <laughs> dedicated to it. For those of you who have written in, we're going to get to your emails next episode. Um, sometimes when you have an, a couple extra bodies with extra thoughts, I mean, we're already, you know, all, all, over 50 minutes here or, j- or just under 50 minutes. It's uh, sometimes, uh, things get out of hand. So anyway, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Support for I doubt it with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and Good-looking listeners like you, by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We have one new Patreon supporter to thank today. Yes! And that would be... Griffmeister. Griffmeister, really? Yeah. So thank you to Griffmeister for being our latest Patreon supporter. I dig it. Yeah. Listen, whatever your name is. It's Griffmeister. Their name is Griffmeister. No, I'm saying whatever you say your name is. So he's like the master of grifting, but in German. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to right. translate Wait, for you. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry to derail. Is it grift with a T or griff? Two Fs. Oh, Griffmeister. Oh. Well, thank you, Griffmeister. Yeah. 
We appreciate your support very much. Yes, we do. Uh, we're getting ready to pull the plug on the fucking Amazon link. Well, they're getting ready to pull the plug on us, actually. <laughs> yeah, we got an email the other day. <laughs> we got an email the other day that said, hey, listen, guys, um, too many people are buying stuff from your link and you're not selling any specific product. So Jeff Bezos is going to pull the plug because he needs yeah. those meager pennies that he's been siphoning to you. Yes. So once that's what, listen, we haven't been kind to Jeff Bezos or Amazon. And now we're paying for it over the course of 700 episodes. Now we're getting it taken away. Yeah. I think maybe he's, um, somebody had their Alexa. They're playing the show through Alexa. Yeah. And now Jeff Bezos knows what's up. That's yeah. how the, you know, the jig is up. Yeah. Jesse, this is really insensitive of you. This is that we're in a global pandemic. Everyone's been hit really hard. <laughs> if Jeff needs this, just. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he is, uh, he just did start a school for, you know, parents who work for him who can't afford to, you know, have their kids. Oh, by paying his taxes? Did he really? Did he really? I've not read any headlines, but I'm sure his worth has taken a hit. Uh, that's a funny joke. Uh, and, and no, I'm being sarcastic. Ian. He did just start a school for like underprivileged kids, but there was like a, a snarky headline that was like, Oh, Jeff Bezos starts a school for the parents of, of people, uh, you know, who work for him and don't make enough money to fucking live. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he started like a company town. Like that's, that, yeah. that is where we're headed. That's the logical next that's step. A chi- yeah. You're talking about the Chinese thing, right? Well, no, I mean, like what Robert Burns used to do here, right? Like you could only, you could spend, you, you can get paid in dollars. You get paid in like Amazon bucks, Amazon gift cards. Right. That you right. can only spend at the company yeah. store and yeah. company housing. Yeah. Well, I think the point of what you were saying, Jesse, is that we're going to continue to promote using the Amazon link until we get it taken away because we're being punished by Jeff Bezos for making uh, more money than he would appreciate off of it, which is about $30 a month. And that is unacceptable to him. So he's going to take that away. Yeah, he's <laughs> made he's made like almost $20 billion more dollars since the pandemic started. Oh, no, it's so much more than that, Jesse. It's like legit like $80 billion. He went from like 120 billion to over 200 uh, billion. He's it's it is so insane. Uh, you're, you're making me hopeless. Where this is Sorry. an episode Sorry. of hope. So once Sorry. once we get the final nail in the coffin email that it has been revoked, we'll let everybody know, and then we're all gonna stop shopping on Amazon, right? That'll be the last straw. Yeah, they take it away from us. We can't have that. Whatever you do, don't tweet out like guillotine pictures at him and things like that. That's that's really uncouth. Is that one of the ways you've been banned from Twitter? Uh, I have not been banned. I've never been banned. I have been suspended multiple times, but that has not been. I have never been suspended from Twitter or Facebook. I think that just means I'm not doing my job well, apparently. No, I think it means you're a fundamentally nice person. (laughs) All right. Moving on. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So now that we're officially in the segment, because Chris Wallace over here is uh, really wanting to maintain the parameters of the show. Um, People get used to the way <laughs> shit's done, man. I want to jump back to the Proud Boys hey, conversation you, really quick. This is bullshit. Where you were talking about uh, people who are white supremacists not admitting that they are white supremacists. And as the audience knows, I was raised in a white supremacist household, uh, active in the white power movement. My family was active in the white power movement. And 
That is exactly right. My parents would be horrifyingly racist in inside our home. And then when they would leave the home, well, with, with the exception of my father, my, my mother primarily would, would pretend that she didn't hold those views and try to hide them and try to be a normal person. And that is really what racists do. They know that it is going to be uncouth and unacceptable to be a racist in public so they yeah. hide it but for some reason denying that you're a racist is evidence that you're not a racist well also there's speaking in code that's long yeah. established practice of these fucking assholes right it, it's not so when donald trump denies well first of all let's let's replay the moment from the debate where donald trump was asked to disavow to condemn and uh we'll go from there but are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups sure. and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland? Sure, are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what are you, what are you, you look, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and white supremacists. White supremacists and white supremacists. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because uh, this is not a right wing own, problem. This is, this is a left wing. This is a left wing. White supremacist. Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not militia. That's what his FBI. His okay. FBI director Gentlemen, said. Well, then, you know what? No, 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 we're done, we're... So let me say this. I would venture a guess. And when this moment happened, I actually thought about you, brothers. I mm. thought this has got to make some people on the left happy. Like le lefty lefty, like you, you know, calling each other fucking comrades and shit. I, I, I nearly passed out when Biden said that. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, that is such a good answer. Like, that is such, that is such like an academically, like academic way to describe like Antifa and like black box ideology generally. Like, like that is something that like most people could not do. I, I, I don't, I think he might have blacked out when he started saying it. I don't know. <laughs> but like an insanely good answer. He's like, also, uh, he's like Will Ferrell in, uh, it's exactly old school where he's it doing also, the debate with James Carville. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's exactly Talking right. about no, agrarian that. economies or something. <laughs> and also, I know it's not the point because I, I totally agree with the larger point, but like the like standby and stand like, He's Trump is so good at saying a phrase that makes like that is such a bizarre phrase in any given situation. It's always like the weirdest way to phrase something. I don't know how his brain yeah does that, but it's so it's so uncanny. Well, so uh, we're going to do this out of order because some of the developments are that he was asked about this before getting on a flight today. And mm -hmm. of course, now he's like, what? I don't I don't even know who the Cowboys are, everybody. I don't know who the Proud Boys are. I mean, you'll have to give me a definition because I really don't know who they are. Mm. I can only say they have to stand down, let law enforcement do their work. Law enforcement will do the work more and more as people see how bad this radical liberal Democrat movement is and how weak the law enforcement's going to come back stronger and stronger. But again, I don't know who Proud Boys are, but whoever they are, they have to stand down, let law enforcement do their work. The thing I would say is remember that interview with Jake Tapper in 2016. 
when he was asking him to disavow David Duke and his endorsement of the KKK. And he wouldn't even say the word. He wouldn't say it because I don't know these people. I'm not going to name someone if I don't know who they are. Well, and during that interview, he refused to condemn the endorsement from David Duke four times. And this was the quote. I don't know anything about David Duke. I don't know what you're talking about with white supremacy or white supremacist. I don't know. I don't know. Did he endorse me or what's going on? You got his like cadence very well there, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Like like that was that was actually pretty on point. There, there's only one guy who believes Donald Trump's bullshit. Donald Trump, baby. It's our friend who got banned from Delta for life. And all our friend. Actually, it, yeah, he's not our friend. <laughs> you know Joey? Uh, <laughs> the thing about it is, is that guy probably does know Donald Trump's bullshitting, but cheering him on because that's the fucking wink, wink, nudge, nudge yeah. of the whole deal with white supremacists. Right. Yes. Again, only in a world in this particular world, this community of people can Richard Spencer deny that he's a white supremacist. Can David fucking Duke deny that he's a white supremacist? It's it, it is. It's it's their their practice and pattern of how they've operated for years as a way to gussy it up, to dress it up, to put a fucking bow tie on it and look like fucking Tucker Carlson on Fox News every night. Ian, I know this is a a, a topic near and dear. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, they're they're not white supremacists. They're race realists. They're, you know, they're, you know, uh, they're about they, they want the separation of the races or yeah they're not racist they just happen to to know that you know different races have different iqs like charles murray like a very not racist guy a well-respected academic actually did you know this white people aren't even the smartest that's east asians yeah sam, like, like sam harris <laughs> sam yeah i know yeah exactly you can't have me on without sam harris coming yeah, well, up i tried we know what happened last time also anyone so, who puts western civilization in their bio on twitter oh my god red flag all right, red flag. Please don't follow them. Who's that one ap- academic? Bo Winnegard. Bo Winnegard. What a fucking mook that guy is. Absolute fucking dipshit nerd. Um, uh, I'll give him credit. He hasn't blocked me. Uh, him and James Lindsay. I caused James Lindsay to have like a three day meltdown. That's probably one of. Let my- me tell you, one of my favorite moments on Twitter lasted several days because of you. You made fun of his calves or his sword oh, yeah. play? Because that guy's <laughs> a fucking... He is the living embodiment Both. of neckbeard. It is just... Yeah. I said in his his sword play video that he had dad calves. And <laughs> oh, you did both. <laughs> he got really upset about it. And like he and his supporters were talking about it for like three days. Um, he has very thin skin. Chris Kavanaugh regularly criticizes him and his ideas. He doesn't talk about his calves, but he, you know, keeps it to the content of his ideas. And you he, know, he's highbrow, not like you. But either. he can't yeah, handle sure. that either. He has complete meltdowns and like threatens to sue him, and it's it's yeah, yeah. pretty remarkable. No, no, an absolute baby. But like to to try to to help Brittany and like keep things on track um, and not just go off about Twitter rants. Um, uh, uh, like to your point, Jesse. Like this is like a long. This is this is what has always happened with fascism, right? Like this is from fa- from the very very beginning. Like it's always been about like d- denying about like taking on sort of liberal norms and and co opting them to like to to their own end. So it's yeah, it's the Proud Boys. We're not racist. We're white chauvinists. Yeah, we're 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 a drinking club. 
we they're western yeah, we, chauvinists yeah you're right they're western chauvinists yeah. right like this incredibly coded language which is barely a code it's barely For a sure. dog whistle or it's Steve King. We're in Steve King territory from Iowa. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Total 100% right. And uh, of course, like the Proud Boys on Twitter yesterday and today, like they, they're not hiding it. They're like, yeah, that we loud and clear, sir. Like you love our racism. We will keep doing it. Yep. Without a doubt. That's exactly what happened. They're changing their logos and shit with stand back, stand by PB in the middle. I mean, God damn. They, it's the, it's the greatest marketing tool that they've ever come across is just that one, you know, how long was the moment in the debate? But- one minute moment in the debate that gave them life. Now, the other problem with this is that it's not just the fringy, openly racist dipshits who are who are capitalizing on this it's the stalwart members of the party the people who are legitimate and as as you guys would call them normies in the republican party people like rick santorum who for some fucking reason was invited on cnn to give his goddamn dumbass opinion well he's a paid contributor and he, he's yeah, par- he's apparently valued over there. Ugh. Yeah. You have to hear both sides, Jesse. That's exactly right. Listen to this Rick Santorum bullshit of him just explaining that, listen, you, you got to understand why Donald Trump didn't call out white supremacist, hateful racists. It's because he doesn't like saying bad things about people who like him. He put a, a sorry end to a sorry saga uh, with his performance tonight. I just think it's a, such a low moment in American presidential history that you see an incumbent president of the United States bullying his opponent, behaving in a shameful way, and, you know, declining to say how he felt about white supremacy. I mean, give me a break. And then, and then declining, he was asked specifically, would you tell your supporters not to be violent after this election? And he declined to do that. So when I say frightening, and I don't know whether this is what your friend is referring to, but when you say frightening, um, that's what that's what I think uh, Americans are looking at and saying, wait a minute, this is not the way democracy is supposed to be. And so I don't see support Donald Trump, don't support Donald Trump, whatever. I don't see how you defend that behavior, Rick. That's what I'm talking about, the behavior that I guess we've come to expect, David, but... To me, it took it was sort of a crescendo tonight. Yeah, I, I would say the Democrats owe a lot to Chris Wallace because Chris Wallace asked those two questions, not Joe Biden. It was Chris Wallace who asked those two yes, questions. He asked, and he asked him for a reason, because he asked two questions where he was asking the president to do something that he knows the president doesn't like to do, which is which is say something bad about people who support him. Right. What? Declining and, violence? Yeah, well, well Talking about the, the su- white supremacy, supremacy? <laughs> yeah, the white supremacists. Number one and number two, uh, asking a question about whether he would—he knows the president it does doesn't think this election's fair. Uh, anyway, I, he goes on for about fifty more seconds. That is just unpalatable fucking nonsense. That is not an excuse. That oh well, he doesn't like to call out um, white supremacists, racists fascist because they like him it's totally understandable guys just calm down (laughs) by the way your former senator gentlemen 
Yeah. yeah. Well, neither one of us lives in Pennsylvania anymore. So, <laughs> and I will also, uh, I will also reject uh, your claim at the at the start of this that he is a normie Republican. <laughs> I, uh, I I know what you were saying, but. Oh, oh boy, he well, is who, an who? exceptional Republican. Oh well, then <laughs> well, I guess I, mean, I don't he, know what the word normie is. I mean, he's yeah. like he's mainstream, middle of the road fucking yeah. Republican. Yeah, he's not that's a probably, Steve King. That's he's always well, been an abortion extremist. Yeah, he's always been like one of those weird Opus Dei Catholic. Yeah, yeah, types, for sure. right? Flaunting like, himself I think, and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think he was able to sort of rebrand as sort of like a kind of dorky Republican, but like underneath, like he was always. He's one of them. What I'm kind of shocked by, because this is the first time I'm hearing it, is how just bad he is as being a propagandist. That was, like, sucked. Yeah. Like, any <laughs> of us four could have done a much better job, because, like, we've listened to these people now, like, like enter the spin room, well, like, and, and come what? up with some awful explanation. The, like, reason, the, reason I, the reason I cut it off is because he realizes mid-fucking stream, like, oh, shit. And then switches to whatever nonsense he, he moved on to, he was in real time realizing, oh, fuck, I, this is going to be on Twitter in fucking 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, and prior to the debate, I mean, in that clip, you heard David Axelrod talking first, and then it was Gloria Borger and then Rick Santorum. And prior to the debate, David Axelrod was just, I mean, it was like a cat and a mouse. <laughs> he was just owning Rick Santorum. Everything Rick Santorum tried to say, David Axelrod was just giving him a smackdown. Right, and David Axelrod's not some kind of a fucking... A no. verbal pugilist genius. He's right. David Axelrod. Well, and th this is the caliber of commentators exactly. that you see on yeah. the prominent media channels. That's all of them. If, if I may, and I, this is you may. Uh, apropos absolutely nothing, you guys should know that uh, the Pod Save Boys just called David Axelrod Axe. So you have permission to do that moving forward. Everyone will know who you're talking about. Well, it's his, a, a, his podcast is the uh, the Axe Files. Oh, that's is right. Really? Yeah. yeah, he does have a oh podcast. Yeah. Oh. I, I mean, when you have a personality just that sparkling yep. and, and just like, you know, that over the top, like I, how could you not? I will say this. He's sticking with the mustache. He is fucking. Yeah, yes. He's yes. committed. We are, pro, we are pro that. Yeah. And he's that the, is cool. He, him and Tom Selleck, which is now selling fucking, uh, um, you're getting ready to die. We're going to give you a mortgage on your house. Reverse mortgages. Those two dudes have really they're Look, sticking I with mean, it. we don't know if Blue Bloods is going to get renewed for an eighth, se eighth season, so who am I to judge? You know? I have no idea. Oh. I just kind of assume it is. <laughs> but, it's a really good dad show. Yeah. yeah. It's like one of like, those shows you don't realize your dad has been watching for like eight, all eight years. I recently found out there are like eight seasons of that. I'm like, where the, where the hell did this show come from? How is it still around? Ian, what is your obsession with uh, with dads? You talk about dad shows, dad calves. What's uh -oh. going on here? You see what's happening. Um, How does the, that make nothing, you feel? Nothing's happening here. I'm just curious about the dad obsession. I can actually probably, I, I, I appreciate the psychoanalysis. I can probably figure, probably just because I'm permanently online and people who, uh, like you talked about like Western chauvinists in your bio as being a red flag. Dad's rights is another one. Well, um, you're an MRA then. You're a fucking yeah. men's rights ding dong. Um, so I, about three or four years ago, the, there was a uh, there was a, a PizzaGate rally in DC, um, 
Did you if, did you please when shit like that goes down in DC, you gotta go down and get some pics, man. Uh, so I did not, but I found <laughs> but afterwards I, I, I read a transcript because apparently uh about one like two speakers into the Pizzagate rally, it turned into a dad's rights uh rally. <laughs> wow. And they every speaker thereafter just started talking about how like family court is the greatest uh injustice. Is, yeah, is the real pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> they, take, they, they take children away from dads. Wow. And, so as, and then I find out there's this whole subculture about how like dads are the num- the most discriminated against group in the United States today. Yeah, dude, so, you're, you, this this must be an offshoot, like a fine tune of men's rights organizations because uh-huh, they oh, are. Sure. Goddamn, dude. Those guys are, I mean, we're off on a tangent. I expected this. Well, this was, these were all the talking points of that guy that told me to put a tube top on one time. That's Um, right. Wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, we had, this is the last time we had four people on the show at one time. (laughs) They were in studio here and we took a break because it got really fucking hot in the studio and we went out to go get a beer while the recording just kept going and we were going to come back to it. And he suggested I put a tube top on. And she's like, I'm going to change shirts. And he goes, no shit. He says to Brittany, with me right there, you should go ahead and go ahead and put a tube top on. Holy shit. <laughs> anyway, but he was a men's rights activist and he, he posted a lot of that kind of content about dads. So now I'm, now I'm understanding the connection. You just have to tell it to me in tube top terms. <laughs> I, I, I have tube a confession to make. <laughs> I, I have a confession to make. Much like Ian will go down far right rabbit holes on like random Facebook groups. I I've not done it for a while, but I used to go on return of the King, uh, the big like MRA blog and read it just to see, I was like, just what do they do? And I swear to God, it it's indistinguishable from parody. And I think that's what's, that's what's so scary about it is like, Oh my God, people believe this shit. Like, Holy shit. Yeah. It's bad. He's technically a Pua. Mm. He's in the manosphere. Uh, Pua, pickup artist. Pickup artist. Yeah. yeah come they, on, you got to spell it out. Because I'm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I know. I, I'm too. I'm too in too deep. <laughs> um, and what? What? This re- really shock. Bring it all back. Really shocking. The MRAs all ended up as Nazis. It, yeah. Like, yeah. Who could have seen that bitch. coming? Yeah. Right. It, it, right. Even like, bitch. there's a tie-in with like incels. It's like a weird amalgam. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this galvanized tub of all of this fucking rejectory. You know. Well, I mean, like, and all of that sort of hyper reactionary, like you know, not white nationalist politics. A lot. It all starts with horrific misogyny. Yeah. So this is. Uh, I'm going to go on a tangent here, and I'm sorry, everyone, but um, Ian was kind of on the vanguard of that, like MRA alt right whatever movement, like way the fuck back in like 2006 or something like that. I think is when you started becoming obsessed with it. But for me, um, back in our hometown in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, there was a shooting at an LA fitness all the way back in like 2006. And the guy killed like four or five women in a workout class. And then he shot himself. Very horrifying stuff. But he had a blog that he had going that uh, he had been running for like a year about planning this shooting. And he was an incel before there was a name for it. Mm. Basically the motivation behind it was like, he spends all day at this gym working out, trying to give women the body that they want and 
for whatever reason, like they just don't see him and thus they have to die. Like something, something that insane. But it was, I remember reading this and thinking like, holy shit, like this, this mindset is probably like extremely dangerous and extremely widespread. And for me, here we are, you know, 14, 15 years later. And I just, I trace a straight line from, from that to where we are now to, um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but you know, we got someone in the White House who's like, "You're you're correct," and that yeah, yeah. just to all, horrifies to, me. To all of these disparate elements of weird movements. Listen, if 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 you're out there and you'd like to know more about incels, there's a podcast that I would recommend. It's called Reply All, and they did an episode where they go. It's a deep dive on where the incel movement started, and actually, a queer woman started yep. a blog Canada. in yeah. Canada, and um. It's a fascinating fucking story. She disavowed it and got out of it early before it turned. Actually, she left it because it started turning extremist and violent. Um, but reply all, just search reply all and incel. You could find the episode. It's, it's, it's fantastic. So moving on, the other story we want to talk about today is, of course, the New York Times story about Donald Trump's taxes. Now, in talking about how Mr. J.R. Brinksmanship on Twitter is kind of a cynical fella. One of the that, tweets... That hurts, Jesse. The, 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 I mentioned that the, I see your like tweets. You liked a tweet where a woman said, I don't care about Donald Trump's tax returns. Does anybody else? And I, I was just... I, I was baffled by that particular take. Why? And I don't want to get into your head about why did you like the tweet? What was so likable about it? But... Uh, the short version of why I liked the tweet... Well, there are two things the first is that i like way too many tweets so like if i find something <laughs> funny or like there's like a or i'm like this guy's having a bad day i'm gonna give him a like like there's not a it's that please don't read likes necessarily into endorsements you retweets to, you have mine. to make that That's known now. maybe you should have that as a disclaimer like all the idiots do okay retweets I'm, also, are not endorsements. I'm also t terrified of people seeing my likes i'll never <laughs> understand why people like horny like like that just to me is. <laughs> you mean like Ted like, Cruz? Uh, like Ted Cruz's nine eleven porn like. Well, yeah. that one is awesome. That yeah. is that is dear and dear to my heart. But just um, yeah, generally. But the longer answer is, I think that uh, if you like turn on MSNBC anytime, maybe it's changed since the debate. But uh, since the since the tax returns dropped, it's just like another one of the got him, got him. And I yeah, don't I see think that. this is going to impact the election at all. I mean, I've been wrong before. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is what does it. But I think the whole point to like, hey, he doesn't he doesn't pay taxes or he's not as rich as he says he is. Like the only people who like that or, or think that's a good argument are, you know, rich liberals. Well, let me look. Let me say this. One, I don't think there's any utility in um He's not really a bit. We're, we're hashtag worther. We're not. Yeah, he's not right. really a billionaire. I don't yeah. give a fuck about that. But it does. It matters a lot. And I think it will change some hearts and minds that he only paid $750 in income tax for 2016 and 2017. That, that is a big deal. I also think I hope so. I also think it's important that we understand that we're like immersed in the political world. We're constantly reading it. We're constantly consuming it. We're constantly on Twitter. 
we really have some problems that we should address. But aside from that, most people are not like us. And when I see these segments of undecided voters, we're talking to this panel of undecided voters. I'm like, who are these people? And where have they been? And how does that even happen? But it exists. They really are out there. (laughs) And so I think that that is something to remember, that there are people who are not constantly immersed in the news like we are. As Jerry Seinfeld would say, who are these people? That may find it. (laughs) That may find it uh interesting and shocking and it may be a revelation to them and it may sway them i i believe that that is possible well i've talked about it for years that there is a certain element on the edges of donald trump's support that is slowly evaporating away so i've got a couple of clips here one is the moment you guys don't get to respond to that it's okay I, I'm the decider, much like George <laughs> W. Fine. Bush. I heard a, I heard an inhale of wanting to respond, and then Jesse was like, and now. <laughs> that's, that's fine. It's okay. That's, we're, it's... we're taking up so much of your time already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. Well, we're just happy to have you here, Alfred Bobby. So uh, at, the, at the, the presser the day after this was revealed, all of this stuff about the debt, the hundred, like $416 million in personally guaranteed loans. And we're going to get to that because that, I think, is the more substantive issue here, not the, the lack of paying taxes. But this was Donald Trump's uh, reaction after being asked at the presser. And then he was asked about it at the debate. And there is a shift in how the messaging has evolved. And by the way... This isn't my bad audio. This is the feed from the motherfucking White House. It, I mean, it's it's like early episodes of your show listening to Ian's microphone. So. Wow, shots fired. I think everybody's going to be talking about is there's a New York Times story that came out about an hour ago that says that when you came to the White House, you were paying about $750 a year in federal income tax. They are not releasing what they, they're not publishing the tax terms. They're not showing that out there. They're saying to protect their sources. In your tax return, sir, does that sound right that you're paying a couple hundred dollars a year of no income taxes? It's fake news. It's totally fake news. Made totally. up fake. It's totally fake we news. We went through the same stories. You could have asked me the same questions four years ago. I had to litigate this and talk about it. Uh, totally fake news. Now, actually, I paid tax. But and you'll see that as soon as my tax returns, it, it's underwater. They've been underwater for a long time. The IRS does not treat me well. They treat me like the Tea Party, like they treated the Tea Party. Uh, they don't treat me well. They treat me very badly. Uh, you have people that, in the IRS. Very, they treat me very, very badly. Uh, but they're underwater. And I just why. Why? Are we being tortured? Yeah, why are we still <laughs> listening to him say anything? What I, was the fucking jag about the fucking Tea Party? What What is that about? I don't know. They audited the Tea Party under uh, Obama, and I think uh, it was a very oh. big right-wing bugaboo. Yeah, it was because of uh, one particular regional district manager in Ohio yeah. did something. I, I know what you're saying. They didn't offer, they didn't give them some political tax-free status or something. Is that what what you're talking about? It was something like that. I mean, who's? I mean, like all. It was a it's non like all, story. It's like all right wing things they they become obsessed about. Like like the details really don't matter. Yeah. So so what what's great is that moment where he's like, no, I I pay uh yeah I pay I pay taxes. It was a weird, awkward 
fucking like he's not fully committed to the proposition of what he's saying. It was incredibly Trump though, because then he then was like, actually, I pay lots of taxes. Like lots. he doubles down and then goes more over the top. Like that's a very <laughs> that's a standard sort of Trump two move. A lot of people are saying he pays taxes. Many people are saying it, Jonathan. I hear very unfair to him. Yeah. I've been paying more and more taxes. You know, yeah. the, I bet you Frederick Douglass played a ton of taxes. He's doing really good work lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, more people are saying that. So so t- kind of listen to the shift of the argument or the explanation when he's asked. He's had a, another a full day now, at least a full day to process and have his communications team devise a strategy on how to deal with this. And he's asked by Chris Wallace during the debate, this is the new answer. I know that you pay a lot of other taxes, but I'm asking you the specific question. Is it true that you paid $750 in federal income taxes each of those two years? I paid millions of dollars in taxes, millions of dollars of income tax. And let me just tell you, there was a story in one of the papers. I paid paid $38 million one year. I paid $27 million Show us your tax returns. I went... Uh, you'll see it as soon as it's finished. You'll see it. You know, if you want to do, go to the Board of Elections. There's a 118-page or so report that says everything I have, every bank I have, I'm totally under-leveraged because the assets are extremely good, and we have a very, we have a, we, I built Sir, a great I'm asking company. you a specific question, which but is. But let me tell you. I, I understand all of that. I, I understand all of that. But, but I'm let a, me, I, no, Mr. President, I'm asking you a question. God damn. Will you tell us how much you paid in federal income taxes in 2016 and 2017? Millions of dollars. You paid millions of dollars? Millions in, of dollars. So yes. not 700. Millions of dollars. And you'll get to see I, it. I, and I, you'll get to when? see it. But and let me Shalom? just tell you, Chris, let me just tell you something that. It was the tax laws. I don't want to pay tax. Before I came here, I was a private developer. I was a private business Uh, people. Enough. That's clearly a shift in messaging. Am I wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong. Um, The point I was going to make before is like, I have no idea if the, if the tax story is going to, but I, I, I'm not just relitigating my point by the far. It is leading to something. Um, I don't, have any idea if the 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 tax story is going to change any hearts or minds i kind of like don't think i i don't think the efficacy of it really matters because i just think we should kind of judge it and how amazing a reporting it actually was and important right like on its own merits like that's some really good reporting i will say this um it was able to at least annoy trump and get him off message and get him sort of going nuts and i think that has kind of useful for sure i mean it's hard to say like how much when trump says things how much of it is messaging and how much of it is just like his just you know reactive lizard brain taking over i mean i i have no idea yeah well i think even his lizard brain though has a pretty keen sense of the news cycle and there's a surgical nature with which he picks what crazy fucking thing he's gonna say even in 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 advance of a story like this dropping so uh, there's there's two other clips here. One is substantive, but one is kind of how the 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 right wing media establishment is is covering for Donald Trump. Even and this is no surprise. It's not a surprise, but it's 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 very alarming that even now the 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 news side of Fox News is taking up for Donald Trump and forwarding 
weird conspiracy theories that really hadn't even haven't even developed yet. They're just she's creating it out of hand. Martha McCallum saying that the the New York Times was colluding somehow with the Biden campaign because once the story dropped, they had they had released way too quickly their their digital media response. I mean, we've seen plenty of disgruntled former uh, folks on the Trump side and potentially, you know, when you look back at lots of different uh, questions that we've stories that we've followed, including the Russia collusion, uh, potentially other people, even within the government who want that information to get out and and may have leached it. I thought there was a a curious word in that first story, uh, which referred to the data from the documents. So that suggests that, you know, some of these bottom line numbers, the $750 number, some of the information that they got wasn't they they didn't have the actual documents or the forms themselves, but they had the information or the numbers that was on the forms. It's, you know, it's a fine point, um, but it may be the difference because I'm pretty sure they said that they didn't actually look at the actual forms. So, uh, you know, when Kevin Brady investigates that, they'll, they'll hopefully figure out what happened there to the larger issue of this tonight. I don't think there are a lot of Trump supporters who are troubled by this story, and I don't know how much traction uh, it will have on the Biden side. They did come out with some really glossy ads within hours of this story hitting, which I think, you know, raises some questions of its own as to whether or not they had knowledge about the story coming out that show, you know, fire firefighters and teachers and the amount of taxes that they pay. Uh, the president is obviously going to have to have a good answer for this tonight. Um, you know, he says he's paid millions of dollars in taxes and that he took advantage of the tax laws as they exist on the books and can turn that around and point to Joe Biden as saying, you know, actually, this is one of the laws that was passed when you were in the Senate uh, that allows an American taxpayer to take these kinds of losses. And I stand by them. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, obviously, it's the it's the scandal of the day of the week. And and um, we'll see where it goes. So apparently that's where he got his messaging was from Martha McCallum yeah. on Fox News. Straight news person. She is supposed to be. Yeah, she's yeah. supposed to be on the reporting side as Fox News is divided into reporting and opinion. She's supposed to be on the reporting side. What's amazing to me is that she works with digital media fucking geniuses right. who turn around news packages in minutes, not hours. Yeah. And she's like, how did they turn around these glossy ads so quickly? It must be a conspiracy. Yeah. I mean, fucking, um, who are the ding-dongs with the uh, Rick Wilson? Lincoln Project. Yeah. They're oh, turning God, around yeah. odds, ads really, really quick. They're not getting advanced information. They're just savvy about media production. I wonder if she's also confused. She's like, how does Sarah Cooper get these Donald Trump clips so quickly to put out her content on TikTok? <laughs> There has to be a conspiracy behind this. Somebody's feeding her the goods. <laughs> Jonathan, you look like you had something to say. This is his modus operandi. He's been doing this with Fox and Friends forever, which is uh, something happens, they offer an analysis, and then he parrots that as his official position, almost verbatim. Yeah, what's, what was... what's the movie with the human centipede? Is it human centipede? Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the one. I mean, Donald Trump is like ass to mouth with Fox News and some weird fucking snake eating Again, its tail. Again, Jesse, do not kink shame. <laughs> I also have, like, there are plenty the, of legitimate criticisms here. What's the movie with the human centipede? <laughs> what was that one called? Hey, fuck you guys. <laughs> so anyway, the more important element as we, as we fucking devolve into fucking chaos here. Thank you, gentlemen. You're um, welcome. The, the, the more important element of this 
is that there is a legitimate national security fucking problem that exists with Donald Trump owing hundreds of millions of dollars that are personally guaranteed to who the fuck knows who. We don't know. It might be Deutsche Bank, but it also might be some unsavory fucking characters. And this is the element that I want to talk about. Let's talk more about this debt issue. The New York Times says the president has more than $300 million in loans coming due within the next few years. Loans that, as you said, he's personally responsible for repaying. But we don't know who's on the other side of those loans. What are the concerns here uh, from a national security standpoint and otherwise? Right. So the details in the president's uh, personal financial disclosure, which is made is, is because he's the president and is made public. It's something that any one of us can look at. Anybody at home can look at, uh, indicate a series of lenders. Some of those lenders we have never been able to get information or details on. On top of that, we know that two of the lenders, uh, one being Deutsche Bank, another being a, uh, a capital lending firm here in New York City, securitize those mortgages. So, uh, for some folks that are familiar with what happened in the, in the details of the 2008 financial financial crisis. There were residential mortgage-backed securities. They basically took up a bunch of home loans, chopped them up, uh, put them together, and, and essentially created a bond. Uh, the same thing happens in the commercial market and commercial real estate, which is where uh, the president has his uh, his holdings and where a lot of his properties uh, exist. So uh, basically, some of the mortgages or some of the loans that are taken out from the president could have been uh, parsed out, put into all sorts of uh, different types of loans. Uh, and so we don't know who holds those uh, those commercial mortgage-backed securities, if any of them have been securitized. I mean, that's a big question here. We don't know what we don't know with respect to who holds the president's debt. And then typically with uh, large real estate deals, like the types of deals that are done here in New York City, there's what's called the mezzanine loans. So there's other people that uh, invest in on top of the banks uh, to be able to, uh, so the bank doesn't have the full exposure to the loan. Again, who are some of the individuals that might be a part of those mezzanine uh, mezzanine loans. We just don't know, Allison, uh, who is actually holding the president's debt. And since he's personally guaranteed it, it's something that obviously he's going to be paying attention to, understandably. So who holds that debt? Uh, what do they hold over the president, if anything? And I think that those are some questions that uh, that, that a lot of folks are finding today uh, to be questions that need answers to, Allison. So there are two very serious issues here that we face as a nation with a president who owes hundreds, again, Hundreds of millions of dollars he owes this debt. One is if this is a conventional financial institution that, uh, that, that, uh, that holds this debt, that is a problem because he is in direct control over monetary policy with the Secretary of the Treasury. That is a clear, wild conflict of interest that has likely never existed, especially at this scale, in the history of our republic. The other element, which is more scary, is what kind of private individuals hold large portions of this debt? And what kind of sway do they hold over the President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief of the largest, most powerful army on the earth, by, by, by owning massive portions of what he owes? I mean, that's, that's a scary fucking thought. Yeah, extremely. And I think one of the sort of interesting things about this is like the I, Trump is not that unusual for billionaires to have this type of debt. Yeah, sure. Right. Like like it. So so it's a problem that's going to keep happening and we're going to see it with more and more like very powerful, very wealthy people. And because we live in this bizarre time where like these people have been sanctified, sanctified, 
like we'll see more of them gaining spots power and uh, potentially like over leveraged in this way. And who knows uh, what? Um, I think all those are, are, are super legitimate security concerns. I also think um, it also just shows like how like like one of we talked about Trump's like lizard instincts before. It's so funny like none of his money was made doing anything. It's just like all and yeah. like he just figured out that like oh it, it's that old stupid saying where it's like if if you know that I'm gonna screw up the idiom. It's like you owe a man a dollar, it's your problem. If if you owe him a billion dollars, it's his problem. <laughs> like that is Trump yeah. to the fucking T, and that is. And that is just how our economy has now been set up, and it is so breathtaking when you actually start looking through it. Well, I would encourage everybody to go read the New York Times story because it is, and they've yeah. done subsequent stories since with with like fucking easy to follow along graphs that make it super simple for my fucking dumbass to figure it out. Yeah, and it really shows that anything he's run on his own is a fucking failure. And that the only businesses, especially relative to real estate, that he makes any money off of are businesses he's invested in but has no role in managing whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And he was getting ready to fucking tank out if it hadn't been for The Apprentice coming along. And he made a couple yes. hundred million dollars off of that. And then By an far additional, the most he's made. Yeah. And then an additional hundred mil couple hundred million dollars off of merchandising and shit. That also propped up his image. That's exactly right. It legitimized him in the minds of fucking mindless reality TV show fans all across the country and, dare I say, the world. And well, it was that and uh, Trump's stakes with Sharper Image. <laughs> it was the two, 55. But like, but, like, all these people who gave him this money, this, you know, basically treated Trump as, like, uh, a way to money launder. Um, they, they sort of recognized that, like, his brand was valuable to them at this point. So, like... Yeah, why not spend two hundred million dollars? He's gonna fuck it up, but you know we'll get something useful out of it. I don't think anyone who gave him that sort of money envisioned that he would end up being president and have, like you said, that vast control over matters of uh, state uh, finance and and military. But super glad we endowed uh, one person with that much power. Very good system. Yeah, I've 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 long advocated not long advocated, but I've advocated recently on the show that there needs to be some kind of a, a czar appointed by Joe Biden, like a reversal czar to, to, to clean up this fucking just this insane quagmire mess that has been created by Donald Trump, not just in in poly, in, in regulation rollback, but just the the weaselly um in intertwinement if that's a word of all of his particular political appointees throughout the government that need to be fucking ousted on day one well yeah. isn't um and and correct me if i'm wrong well if you're talking about just like appointees within the federal government i i completely agree but if you're talking about like federal judge appointees or something like yeah, that, i'm not talking but, about senate confirmed things that can't okay. be reversed i'm talking about but because that's just that's one particular element. That's a dangerous element that certainly needs to be um, through attrition dealt with. But there, there's a whole other element of the of the way the government runs through through appointment and just high, regular hires that might not be um, noticeable by a normal incoming administration. 
Right. So what I'm hearing, Jesse, is you're advocating for kind of a domestic anti-bathism. Um, debathification. Debathification. Thank you. Yeah. Um, when you put it like that, it sounds as though like, oh, my <laughs> no, God, we can't no, I, I endorse it. I endorse no, it. I, I, no, I, here's, I think, here's what I call it. It's an anti-fascistification. Yeah. I think I think the imperial presidency needs to be rolled back sort of generally. Yes. Right? I think that's it's one of the things that Trump has really uh, highlighted for, for, I think, most do you think thinking people do you think that Joe Biden has the appetite or the stomach for that particular charge? Because it needs to be done. We need a selfless president to step into the office. Maybe he is the guy who's only going to serve one fucking term and to be like, no, we're going to gut this office of its if it's uh, the overreaching power that over generations and over the uh, decade after decade after decade has grown, especially since Nixon. I mean, that's really when when yeah. when the, the executive branch. Yes. took on its its current uh, flavor. Jonathan, go ahead. Let, let, let me pose this question to you. This is kind of a rhetorical question. Okay, let's assume Biden wins. Biden gets in there. Biden it commits himself to being a one-term president. Let's just take all that as gospel. Uh, his next logical successor, heir apparent, would be Harris. Do you think Harris is the type of unselfish person who would say oh yeah let's let's neuter some of these powers and water them down and spread them out throughout the other branches of government i don't think that's the project that the democratic establishment yes well listen here's here's let me bounce this back to you who is who is that person what person steps into the oval office with the trappings of the power of the white house and the majesty and says you know what <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm not gonna be as powerful as uh as every other president that that came and, before me. And it's, it's more not just, a, What I'm saying it's, it's not just a Kamala Harris thing. It's it's the power that is seducing. And it's not just the individual president thing. It's the party behind it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like the Democrat. Like they probably are like. Well, I mean, it's Lord. It's this. It's basically Lord of the Rings, right? It's like, well, yeah. we can use this power for good, and we'll 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 use it to clean up some stuff here. Oh, and there. you mean the ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had to process. I'm not a nerd. So. <laughs> Go ahead. Proceed. Um, sorry. Uh, that sound you hear is Jesse stuffing me into a locker. Um, <laughs> me stu- getting stuffed into a locker? No, you stuffing me into a locker. Look how much the inner bully just came out what there. What fucking like, meat locker am I getting stuffed into? Jesus yeah. Christ. Ian's too tall for a locker. Yeah, you're no, a big work. guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, we've we've uh, had drinks. We've had drinks with Ian. He's we've been in, in real IRL, as the the kids say. Yes. Yeah, I know. I I I come across as sort of Ben Shapiro, uh, just vocally, but Wet I promise ass you, I am P word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I but, I can yeah. hardly tell the difference. P word is female genitalia. I I I do be saying that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bring a bucket and a mop. It really, that's that could be Ian right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I too am scared of the female genitalia. Um, no, I, I, I don't even know the point I was making. You get it. Yeah, you, you heard the podcast. I, I, I sounded right. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. I, I'm. What I'm saying is, I. It's not just an indictment of Kamala Harris or Joe Biden. It really is. It's a difficult thing. You have to be a selfless individual. And I'm hoping, 
and maybe it's misplaced. It sound now that I'm really thinking about it after the argument you made, it does sound misplaced. That Joe, I was hoping Joe Biden could be the guy who's not committed to to a second term and might um do what's right for the country to de-imperialize the presidency. Well, I think I don't I I I would love for that to have happened. And I didn't mean to imply that this was all an indictment of Kamala Harris, but what I do think we is We heard that what you said, I, Jonathan. We yeah, fucking yeah, heard what you're you right, said. You're right. You're right. But <laughs> I I one of the big projects of the Republican Party, particularly since Mitch McConnell has been running the Senate, has been to just uh completely transform institutions um, specifically the courts, but broader institutions to be hostile to any other ideology than his own. And uh, yes, my preferred would be to have a president to come in there and neuter some of the powers of uh, the overreaches of pretty much every branch. Yeah. But at, at a, if I can't have that, then I want someone who has an ideological project that aligns with mine that will try to do the same thing to those institutions. Here, Here's my my thought train on this. Choo-choo. It, it, it is that um, there's going to be a lot to fucking do in reverse when he gets in there. One, he's going to have a fucking legislative agenda that I hope to God he fucking takes up. I hope he doesn't squander a Democratic House and a, and a likely Democratic Senate like Obama did for the first two years yep. and didn't get shit done. There are so oh. many things that people have lost that are not on the radar anymore, like um, the way we deal with gun violence and the way we don't track statistics and no, no, no record keeping can be done unless it's on paper. That's a real fucking thing in 2020 in the United States government related to gun violence. That could be changed on day fucking one. They could have this ready to go. D.C., Puerto Rico statehood, day one should be the absolute very first thing. But but also because that that can't take the time of the reversal thing, can't take all of the time of the administration. They need to hire someone to run that to make sure that it gets fucking done. Otherwise, there's going to be these remnants running throughout the federal government that we're not even aware of the damage that's being done and the roadblocks that are being thrown up by these recalcitrant uh, Trump leftovers. Yeah. Like the, like sort of like the, the Japanese who are on the Philippines in the sixties still, <laughs> still fighting the war. Um, no, I, I, but the, to, to, to spring this back to my new, my optimism, uh, even if Biden or, and whoever isn't up to the, the task, uh, we can pressure them to do so. Yes, right. right? Like you do. There we you go. Can you can do that? Uh, it, you can't just vote and assume that they've got it. You've got to continue to be out in the streets. You got to continue making your voice heard. Well, and we ad- think- we advocate for that show on the. Uh, we advocate for that position on the show a lot. You um, do that. We're, that it's getting them in office is not okay. You know, I'm wiping off my hands here. Uh, that uh, our job is done. That's when the work starts. Well, and oh, I think sure. I think if anything, this period of time with Trump has awakened people to needing to be aware of the political moment. And even if it's your guy who's in office, I think it's going to be different going forward, that people are going to be more active, more aware. Maybe that's just my optimism, yes! which doesn't normally come out, by the way. <laughs> but here it is. Here it is. What's well, the listen. variable? 
What is the variable? Jonathan and Ian. Yes. The, the yeah. Optimism Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> New name for the pod. It's a, it's a, yeah, another yeah. offshoot podcast. Oh, yeah. Yep. That would be nice. Well, would be nice. Listen, we really appreciate you. That's going to be it. We had another, we were going to talk about the grand jury in the Breonna Taylor case. We'll save that for next time. Um, cause I want to talk a little bit. I was, I don't know if you know, Jonathan, I think you know, Ian, that I, for a year and a half, I served on a federal grand jury here in Orange County. Um, oh, damn. I that, did not know that. That, uh, just last year, the entire year, I was on a, Crazy. on a grand jury. And, um, I want to speak with a little bit of experience and a little bit of authority on what's taking place there. So we'll save that for next time. If you have questions, we would invite you to call in 657-464-7609. Of course, email your voice memos and your regular old-fashioned emails to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. We really appreciate it. We would hope that everybody would go check out your show. Yes. Save us from the Johns. Follow these these noble steeds. Is that a thing on Thank the Twitter? Yeah, that's a thing on the Twitter at Team Ian and at Jr Brinksmanship. They are quality quality follows. You get to see what they like, <laughs> and then you can uh, address some of the issues that you hear on the show. Yeah. And you can DM at Team Ian T E A M I A N. Your DMs are open. Hey. They are open. You you DM me, I will dox Jonathan to you. Oh, that is nice. that, that is the teamian guarantee. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's and, uh, that's quite the guarantee. Mm-hmm. And uh, on Instagram at Siberian Derpskis, if you're just if you're feeling depressed from the times and you want to see some huskies, Siberian Derpskis, all one word. Why don't you spell that? Because I couldn't find out if they were a little derpy, like derpskis or derpskis. <laughs> yeah, like like husky. But derp. So like uh, S-I-B-E-R-I-A-N-D-E-R-P-S-K-I-E-S. Siberian Derpskis. We'll put it in the show notes like every right. podcast says. <laughs> anyway, Feel free we, to cut all of that. No, no. that's you, Fuck you. That's staying. We appreciate you guys. We do enjoy your show. We, this has been a, a fantastic yeah, episode of, of not stepping on everybody's dick. So that's a good time. Um, you held it together, Chris Wallace. Good work. I know. I, I was yes. I was a slave and, to the segments. And once more, thank you both so much. And again, I am so sorry for tanking your subscribers just on the eve of your 700th episode. Mm. It's a real dick move. But what are you going to do? Sometimes yeah. shit happens. They'll you know? forgive us. Yeah. They'll forgive us. I think they're, they're going to like these fellas. Yeah. And if not, uh, you know. Eh, and, and neither Jonathan or I mentioned that it was appropriate to have us on on like the 69th ninth episode, like one yeah. of the funny numbers. Yeah. Uh, we wow. we held that in. Oh, so that you is some fucking growth. ruined it. Now I can't even post the episode because of that fucking nonsense. You, next, we know that Ian's going to be writing ads for fucking uh, Pod Save America. So good job, buddy. Good <laughs> fucking think, job. That's, that's why I try. <laughs> All right. We're going to leave you there. We'll see you next time. We love you guys. Next time on episode 700. We cannot wait. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, Team Ian, JR Brinksmanship, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt.